0: Deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap. If we faint not. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being here this evening. I thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you're doing. Lord, I pray you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit tonight. Speak to us through your word. Remind us, help us, lead us, and guide us in your truth. For your word is truth. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for all that you do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And thank you for being here, and thank you for standing. It's been on my heart ever since I preached Sunday. I preached about whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. I preached on sowing to the flesh, in other words, living for ourselves ourselves. Living for our flesh and doing whatever desire that this flesh, lust, pride, whatever it is that our flesh desires. And uh, the Bible in the book of Galatians gives us a list of things in chapter number 5. And I will remind us of them and then we'll get on into the service tonight. It says, "...for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh." And then it goes on, it says, Now the works of the flesh which are manifest, which are these. And it gives a list. It says adultery and fornication and uncleanness and lasciviousness and idolatry and witchcraft and hatred and variance and emulations and wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, reviling, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit The kingdom of God. And then I begin to preach Sunday on when we follow our flesh and we follow the lust of our flesh and the works of our flesh which are seen, which are evident, which not only we see but others can see in our lives. The end result of that, by if we sow that, what we will reap, and I give a whole list of things and I'm not going to look back through those notes tonight, but I'll tell you what: what you reap if you sow that way, you'll reap broken homes, you'll reap broken hearts, you'll reap misery, you'll reap hatred, you'll reap jealousy, you'll reap murders and drunkenness, and 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 variance, and and so many different things is what we shall reap in our lives because. There is a law, it is is a fact that whatever a person sows, that shall, that shall he reap. Amen? There's no way of getting away from reaping what we have sowed. Now, we also discovered that it might not all happen here. And it might not all happen tomorrow, and it might not happen next week. But you can write it down, brothers and sisters in the Lord, Whatever you sow, ye shall reap. Amen? It's, it's going to happen. There's no way to, to act like it's not going to. There's no need, the Bible says, to deceive yourself and act like those things is not what we are going to reap. So therefore, I continued on thinking about that message and continued on Praying about that thought. And in my prayer calls it, man, the Lord so burdened me over the first part of this chapter. Because if I know that if I live that way, that is what I'm going to reap. And if you know that if you live that way, that's what you're going to reap. And if you and I know that our friends, our families, our sons, daughters grandchildren, friends, co-workers, and neighbors. If we know that if people live that way, that is what they shall reap. Here's what I want to ask you. Does that do anything in you tonight? Does that stir up anything in you tonight? As I was, I pray the Lord to help me tonight. As I was praying and studying and preparing for this message, I didn't realize the weight of this message until God began to deal with me about the verses and the words and the references to this message. It broke my heart, church. It broke my heart. And it was just like the Holy Spirit not only is with me and dwells in me, but it was almost like the Holy Spirit just pricked my soul and said... Do you see the seriousness of sowing to the flesh? Do you see the seriousness of that? And if you truly see the seriousness to that, and you truly know that people that you know, people in your family, even you yourself, and people in the church where you pastor, if you truly know that people are living that way, does it even break you? for what you know that is coming in their lives? Does it even stir anything in you? Or do you just look at them and say, yep, that's what you get, man. You sowed it, and now you're going to reap it. Or does it break you at all? Does it stir something in you at all to care, to have compassion, to be scared for them? to drive you to your knees to drive you to your knees so that you'll pray for them and be concerned about their well-being that when you see them and you see their faces and you know their lives does it break you at all? does it do anything in, in you? Man, I didn't realize the weight of studying for this. I didn't realize the the end result of preaching this message tonight. I never even really thought about it. I just kind of go through life as me and mine, you know. Me and mine, we're good. If things going to be all right, everybody can take care of themselves. They're grown-ups. It'll all work out in the end. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us. And as I began to study on in this chapter, and the Lord began to break my heart, there is a phrase that we have read tonight. And when I read this, at first thought, at first glimpse, when I see it, I say to myself, why yes? Why yes? But as I went through the day today, I'm really troubled because I have to admit and say, probably not. Probably not. And the phrase that is rung in my mind all day today is in verse number one. And it's this. Ye which are spiritual. Ye which are spiritual. I don't have to ask you tonight if you've been born again. I don't have to ask you tonight if Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. Because I truly believe that probably, they might be someone, but probably about everyone that's here tonight's probably been born again. Probably everyone here tonight has accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You know that one day you're going to get to go to heaven. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying ye which are spiritual. Ye which are spiritual. Over 15, 16 years ago, James is sitting back here to my right. Back here with his wife. And we talked about this verse. And I have never forgotten our conversation. And James teaches Sunday school here. And he told me, he said the key to verse number 1 of Galatians 6 is ye which are spiritual. And he said that to me years and years and years ago. Hardly never even thought about it since till today. And God brought it back to my mind. The title of the message tonight is Ye That Are Spiritual. First, we have to understand what day are we in? What's going on? What's the world like? What's the church like? What are people like? What day are we living in, Pastor? Tell us. The day we're in. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1 says that in the last days... Perilous times shall come. I would present to you tonight, according to the word of God, I believe that we are living in the last days. And if we are living in the last days, then we have to confess that we are living in perilous times. It's the day that we're living in, perilous times. I realize, if you study 2 Timothy chapter number 3, I realize that Timothy is speaking of unbelievers because in verse number 7 he says, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then in verse number 8 of 2 Timothy 3 he says, they resist the truth, men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But no doubt... I know he is speaking of lost people in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But you and I need to realize that in the last days, perilous times shall come. We're living in perilous times. No doubt we're living in them. If you look up and study the word perilous, it means the reducing the strength. The reducing of strength. If you look up and you study the word perilous times, it means difficult times. If you look up and study the word perilous, it not only means reducing the strength and difficult, it also gives the thought of dangerous times and furious times. I've never seen a time that is more difficult to live in the day like it is today. I've never seen a time where raising kids are more difficult now than ever before, I believe, since I've been alive. I've never seen a time where just staying close to the Lord and walking strong and keeping your mind clear that I've been preaching on now for several services and being filled with the Spirit of God and doing what the Lord would have us to do and loving people and caring for people and just praying and being consistent and and being a good witness and letting your light shine for Jesus. I've never seen a time like this. It is harder now than it's ever been before. I can only speak for me. I truly believe that we are living in the last days. And in the last days, perilous times. It don't say that it might come. It says perilous times shall come. And I believe we are living in those days now. I also believe it will get harder. I've never seen a time where people who have walked with the Lord and have been faithful to the Lord and have been strong in the things of the Lord, I've never seen a time where those people tell me, some of my closest spiritual people that I love and, 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 and depend on and I call, I've never heard them say it more than they're saying it now. I feel tired, I feel lonely, I feel beat up, and I feel weak. And I need prayers. I need the prayers of my church. I need the prayers of my family. I need the prayers of my friends. I need the prayers of other preachers because I feel so desperately weak in my life spiritually right now. I had that conversation just the other day with a close friend of mine. That's called perilous times. No doubt, everyone in this church, it's going to be a strong statement but no doubt everyone in this church, sometime or another, we're going to get knocked down. It's fact. You might as well go ahead and you might as well go ahead and start seriously praying and fasting and getting right with God, because there's no doubt that every single person in this church, sometime or another in our lives, we will get knocked down. It might be physically. Ask Jackson Bell. papa was doing great 30 days ago. Now tomorrow we're getting ready to have a visitation. It just takes that quick, son. Physically, this body is weak. And physically, if we're not careful, we think we're going to go on forever. But one phone call can change our lives forever, church. Every single one of us at some time or another in our lives, we will get knocked down. It could be physically, it could be a sickness, it could be an ailment, and it could come today or it could come tomorrow. But I promise you, all of us will get knocked down by something in this life. Could be physical, could be financial, could be financial. We have no idea. I can't predict it, neither can you what this world's going to bring in the next year, to the next five years, to the next ten years. I can't say, neither can you. I wish I could. But Sometimes I'm glad I don't know. I'll just trust God day by day, amen? And then someone in this church, no doubt is going to fall morally. You're going to mess up. Someone in here is going to mess up. Someone in here is going to mess up. There's going to be some things physically that's going to happen to some of us. It's going to be completely out of our control. There's going to be some of us financially, there's going to be some things that could happen. It's going to be maybe completely out of our control. But then there could be somebody here tonight that morally you're going to really mess up. And when I even say that, I ask you this question, what does that do to you? Does that even do anything to you tonight? If I say someone at Pleasant Hill Missionary Baptist Church that I believe is one of the greatest churches on the face of the planet, do you and I realize that they could be, they will be, someone that attends this church that morally is going to fall? What does that do to you, child of God? Does that stir up anything in you? Does that Does that tweak any emotion in your soul at all? Or do you just sit there and say, Well, it won't be me, and it won't be mine, and we're going to be good. Or does it put something in you that says, Oh, God, let me pray for Dwayne and Amanda and them kids. (laughs) I didn't realize this message was going to break me like this. But, Oh, God, let me pray for Zach and his family. Oh, let me pray for Hartley and Beverly and these kids more than ever. Tony and Regina and the family. Oh, God, even Janelle. I need to pray for Miss Janelle more than I ever have before, Miss Janelle. You're not exempt. None of us is exempt. Are you with me? Oh. Because we know the end result. We know the end result, Charlie. We know the end result of Galatians 5, of living for the flesh and following the flesh. We know the end results. Broken homes, broken hearts, misery. We know jealousy, turmoil, strife. We know the end results. Oh God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Let us see what we need to see and let us hear what we need to hear. Let us do what we need to do. The day we're in. It's the day we're in. Galatians 6.1 is talking to believers. He says, brethren, 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 it's an amazing what we say before the facts. We all are guilty of this. I said it. Some of you have said it. And some of you have yet to say it, but you will. It's amazing. I was sitting there in my study today, and I thought about this. I can remember when me and Tina was was newlyweds, and and we went to eat at this place called uh, the Western Sizzling Steakhouse. I believe it was on Patton Avenue down there. There's a car wash now. And I can remember going there, and there was a family across from us who had some little bitty kids and some, and some high chairs, and I looked, and it looked like they had took a loaf of bread and broke it all up and threw it all over the restaurant. And I remember I looked at Tina and I said, "You see that mess?" I said, "When we have kids." <laughs> When we have kids, they will not do that. It's funny what you say before the fact. And then after you've done been on your third one, and the whole restaurant's turned upside down, and the curtain's hanging off the, off the, off the rack, then you leave and say, oh, they'll clean it up. But it's amazing what you'll say before the fact then your kids, they grow up a little bit and you say, my kids will never do that. We'll never let them be a part of that. We'll never miss this or we'll never miss that. I can't believe these parents didn't allow their kids to do that. I can't even believe these parents that will go with their kids when they do that. It's funny what you'll say before the fact. But then when you're in it, you forget what you said before you was in it. Are you with me? And we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. So we need to really be careful. It's amazing what we say. It's amazing what we say. It's amazing what we say when a brother... If a man be overtaken in a fault, it's amazing what we will say when someone else is overtaken in a fault. The word overtaken means to take in. The word fault means a slide and a slip, a fall, a fault. It's an offense. It's a sin. It is a trespass. Sometimes it can be an unintentional error, but more than, more than any, it will be a willful transgression. It will be a decision that is made that you and I will make, or our families will make, or our kids will make, or our mothers or our fathers will make, or our brothers and sisters will make, or our church members will make, and it will be a a, 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 a decision that they make, and they know they're making the wrong decision, but they make it anyway. And I've been there, and you've been there. Amen? Okay, now here's the question. If we know, if we know that that's coming, and we know that people's going there, and it could be me or you, does that do anything to you tonight? If I look at these three young ladies right here, and I look at them and I think, Godly ladies, faithful, coming to church, living for the Lord. But there's always that possibility. Am I telling it right? I'm telling it right, ain't I? There's always that possibility. Always that possibility. Don't ever say never. And when I look at them sitting here taking notes on the second row of the church, and I think, oh God, please no. Don't let them sow to the flesh, don't let them go down those roads. never had it hit me like it hit me today. And it hit me today, man, like I wasn't even expecting for it to hit me. And it drove me to the ground. It crushed me. It broke me worse than I had been broken in a long time. And I look at all of you faithful folks who love the Lord and love your families. And I think to myself, God, please no. Please, please no. Ye that are spiritual, I didn't ask you if you're saved. Probably everyone in the building could testify of a time when you got saved. But are you spiritual? The word is overtaken. And the word is a fault. Next thing I want to point out in chapter number 6 and verse number 1, if you would underline it in your Bibles with a pen or with a pencil or with a highlighter or do it when you get home is this word restore. Restore. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, we'll get to that, restore. Restore. If you end in Galatians chapter number 5, and then you pick back up in Galatians chapter number 6, it deals with the fruit of the Spirit. And it gives a list of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And it goes on and it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And then we get to chapter number 6 and it says, ye which are spiritual, restore. I will go on record of saying, to everyone who ever hears this message, I will go on record of saying, I truly believe the desire of the spirit is restoration to restore I believe that would be the desire of the spirit of god in this verse to restore as i begin to look down through this to restore means to repair and it means to mend If you study in the book of Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 21, you will find that some of the disciples was there in the ship and it said they was there and they was mending their nets. When Jesus walked up, they was mending their nets. Now I know for a fact there is a time for fishing. But I also know, Brother Joe, if you are a fisherman in Jesus' day, there had to be a time of mending. Mending. Why was they mending their nets? You know why they was mending their nets? It's simple. Their nets was broken. Their nets had holes in them. Their nets had been torn. Their nets had been ripped because of the task of Fishing, And when you study that word mending, when he finds those disciples mending those nets, it means to put back together. It means the whole. It means a vacancy. It means to repair, to adjust, to mend, to perfectly join together. And then here's the word. It means to restore the broken nets. It is the exact same meaning as what Apostle Paul is using in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1, the restoring of a brother or sister. Those who are broken, those who are ripped, those who are tore up, from the things of the world. I wrote this down. I'm sure it took some time to do this. I wonder how many times they mended their nets. I wonder how many times they mended the same nets. Don't get bored now. Stay with me. There are times in all of our lives where the flesh and the world... And the enemy will get victory over you and I. And when the flesh and the world and the enemy gets victory over us, you go ahead and write it down spiritually. It will cause huge gaps in our lives. It will cause us spiritually to have a need of restoration. It will cause every one of us spiritually where we will need to stop fishing for a while and just sit down and pray that God would give us the strength for some mending in our own lives. And we will pray as we are sitting there in our lifeboats mending our brokenness that just by chance God might send someone by to help tie up some of the holes (laughs) in the nets of our lives. Are you with me tonight? The process of restoring and mending of those nets. So here's the question. Here's the question. The question that I prayed and asked today. God, am I capable? God, am I able? What can I do? I don't know how. And the Lord reminded me of this through a very clear example, and I pray you hear it well. In this flesh, I am limited. In this flesh, I can have all the desires in the world. In this flesh, I can have the best intentions that any pastor could ever have. But I must realize that in my flesh, I am limited. That's why you and I must walk and be filled in the Spirit of God. Because this flesh, we don't even know how to help mend the net. We don't even know how to restore. We don't even know what to say to someone who needs restoring. But the Spirit of God knows all. He can guide us and show us and teach us. But the desire is this. Do you even have a desire to restore someone who has been overtaken in a fault? Do you even have that desire? I know a man and I know him well who done everything in his power physically and had goals set and had mindset and had the right diet and had the right exercise and had everything in line and was disciplined for months, physically was disciplined for months and had a goal here was the goal, Larry. The goal is to be able to bench press 225 pounds 15 times. If you could reach that goal, you would would have succeeded physically. And I know a man who worked harder than what you could ever imagine. And it was time to fulfill that goal. An individual come one short 14 times and you say to yourself, surely, surely they could have done it one more time. Surely, surely they could have pushed as hard as they could and done it one more time. But you've been there and you've been there and some of you others has been there. When physically you have done all that you can do, you're done. You will not get it one more time. Because physically you have went as far physically as you can go. And it will crush you and you won't even be able to get it off of you. Physically. You and I will never be able to restore a fallen brother physically within ourselves. We're not capable of doing it. We don't even know how to do it. And if we'll be honest one with another, a lot of times we don't even have the desire to do it. So what I'm preaching on tonight is, is not, if, not are you saved, but I want to ask this question. Ye that are, ye which are spiritual. Is there anyone tonight not <laughs> spiritual in the church? Because it takes someone spiritual to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So that's the question. That's the question that's been on my heart all day today. Am I spiritual? I know I'm saved. But am I spiritual? Restoring the spirit of meekness? It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Meekness is one of the fruit of the Spirit. We must walk in the Spirit. Meekness is gentleness and humility. Zach taught these boys the other night. And I wrote this down as I was studying today. You can share your convictions with anyone you want to share them with. But if your convictions is not backed up with compassion all your convictions is going to do is make someone mad. You go around talk about your convictions all day long. But if our convictions does not have meekness and, and compassion and love and care and walk in the Spirit, ain't no one cares about your convictions. Zach told those young boys, he said, there will be no one who cares what you know until they know that you care. We can get up here and preach and teach and talk and witness We can have a souped up outline, get it off the internet or whatever we want to do, make sure all of our points line up, read every spiritual book that we can find in every spiritual library and get up here and blow everyone away with wisdom or knowledge. But if there is no love behind it, it is a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. It means absolutely nothing. Preach your convictions. Stand on your convictions. I have some well they need to be some compassion with them needs to be some compassion with them our convictions Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 15 it says speak the truth it says speak the truth in love a person overtaking the fault let me ask you this how many of you personally right now know someone who's really, really messing up? You know someone right now who's really, really messing up? I'm talking about messing up, man. Let me ask you this question. This is the way the Lord dealt with me about it today. I can't hardly stand this, Miss Beverly. I'm about to pass out. Who knows someone that is really blowing it? Here's the question of the night. Have you prayed about them as much as you've talked about them? Have you prayed for them as much as you've thrown off on them? Have you spent time on your face begging God to do a work in their hearts and changing them? are you just talking about them? I dare to say the reason why a lot of us can't restore is because we're not spiritual. We're not spiritual. I know you're saved, but we're not spiritual. We need to get right with God. We need to walk in the Spirit of God. We need to care for people. We need to love people like we ain't never loved them before. Because listen, do I need to remind you we are living in perilous times, church? People's falling every day. People's messing up constantly. My wife said something to me. She just took grandson out. She said something to me the other day. Oh. If this message is not helping anyone in here, it's helping your bald-headed preacher. I can promise you this. She said something to me the other day. She said, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I knew God was going to send people to our church. I knew he was. I knew there's going to be a fresh move. I knew there going to be a fresh excitement. She said, God began to deal with me about something, Keith, and I want to share it with you because I care. I said, what is it? She said, I know you're excited about preaching. I know you're excited about a lot of things. She said, but... Since God's ascending them, let's really get concentrated on what they need. Let's really get concentrated on what every single individual needs. What do you need and what do you need and what does your family need? Amen. What does your family need and what do you need and what do you need and what do you you guys need and what do y'all need? I mean, that's what what we got to get focused on, Mr. Holt. If God's going to send them here, what do they need? When they get here, what do they need? I'm going to tell you what a lot of them need. Same thing a lot of us needs. They need their nets mended up. God's sending a lot of people here that's got some holes and they need to be fixed. You preached this message. It's John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, and the message that you preached was the woman that was taken in the very act of adultery. You preached that. You said that they told Jesus and you said it right, preacher. You said the law says she should be stoned for being caught in the very act of adultery. And you know what? You preached it right. She should have been stoned. It was a sin and it was awful. It was a sin and it was awful. Do you remember what Jesus said? When he stooped down and he began to write on the ground, One by one, he said, You that are without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, as they begin to drop their stones and walk off, he said, Where are thine accusers? And they all left. And he said, Neither do I condemn thee. But you remember what he said? Now go and sin no more. You're forgiven. Now go and sin no more. Quit living the life that you're living. You know what I see right there? I see the ministry of restoring a woman. Restoring her. And then telling her the truth. And telling her the truth in love. And then sending her no way. Am I looking at it wrong? Are y'all still with me tonight? Amen. and sin no more. Turn to John 14 and I'll be finished tonight. Ye which are spiritual. The book of John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14, and we'll finish up. We want to finish up on the thought, ye which are spiritual. Ye which are spiritual. Verse number one. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Evidently. They must have had some troubled hearts. I don't know anyone would say, let not your heart be troubled if you wasn't troubled. And then he goes on and he begins to teach them about the Holy Spirit of God. Look at verse number 16 of this chapter. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another, what's that word? Comforter that he may abide with you forever. Look at verse number 17. Even the spirit with a capital S of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Look at verse number 18. I will not leave you comfortless. Don't miss the last. I will come to you. Look at chapter number 15. Verse number 26 and 27. This sums it all up in one verse. Verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. and ye also shall bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. You know what God dealt with me about? Ye which are spiritual, ye that are walking in the Spirit, ye that are walking in the Spirit will manifest and it will be evident in your lives the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And what Jesus is teaching John 14 and 15 is this. Ye which are spiritual, the Holy Spirit that lives in you, you know what He brings you? It's the same thing He wants you to take to others. He said He is the comforter. <laughs> that's, that's what He is. Right? Am, am I right? Is, is the Holy Spirit the comforter? If the Holy Spirit is the comforter, now if I'm preaching this wrong, just stop, stop jump up and say heresy, heresy. If the Holy Spirit is the comforter and the Holy Spirit lives in me, then it looks like every now and then I could bring someone some. Looks like it. Looks like I could bring someone some comfort if the comforter lives in me. Amen. That word comfort means the consoler. It means the encourager. Verse 17, the Holy Spirit, you know what He he brings? He will bring truth. So not only if the Spirit of God lives in me when you're struggling, shouldn't the Spirit of God come out of me? And shouldn't it give someone some comfort? And then if you're struggling and the Spirit of God lives in me, shouldn't the Spirit of God come out of me and me give you some truth? Because the Spirit of God is truth. And He lives in us as believers. Are you in me tonight? And then you know what else He says? Verse number 18, he says he's always going to be with us. That means he's constant. He's constant. He don't change, Jackson. When you're doing good, the Spirit's with you. When you're doing bad, the Spirit's with you. When you're singing, the Spirit's with you. And when you're headed to work, the Spirit is with you. But you know what else? Don't don't ever forget this. Chapter 15, verse 26 and 27, the Spirit of God will always, without fail, always point to Jesus He'll always point to Jesus and if the spirit of God lives in me if the spirit of God lives in me son shouldn't I want to give you some some of that comfort shouldn't I want to tell you the truth but more than anything how in the world are we going to restore anyone through the spirit of God Tony and the spirit of God says point them to Jesus point them to Jesus If he can't fix them, ain't no one gonna be able to fix them. I can't fix them, and you can't fix them, and the church can't fix them, but Jesus Christ can fix them. Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. you which are spiritual you saved Dwayne you know son without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is your savior are you spiritual preacher bud you saved you believe it no doubt are you spiritual many times I know I'm saved but I'm so far away from being spiritual I'm so far away church and you might look at me tonight and say you ought to be ashamed of yourself pastor, you ought to be ashamed of yourself I told you I'm just going to be real I'm so far away from being spiritual The day. Today, today, Miss Carmela, God broke me. He broke me, David. Broke me. Everywhere you look, even here tonight. There's people sitting in your ships right now trying your best just to get your nets mended up. Wouldn't it be a blessing if someone would just get in there with you and say, all right, I know you've been sitting in here for a long time and you need to be back a-fishing. You need to be back a-fishing. But you can't go fishing till you get the holes fixed in your nets. Wouldn't He call us to be fishers of What? You can't go fishing until you get your holes fixed in your nets. Sometimes when I look at my nets, I think to myself, I ain't never going to get to go back fishing. I got way too many holes. That's That's why I need you. That's why I need you. That's why I need you, Autumn. Come on beside me and say, hey, Dad, I want to help you tie up some of these nets today. I'm praying for you. I just want to encourage you, Dad. Just be who you are and keep doing the right things. Amen? Just want to get in here with you, girl, and tie up some of them knots and fix some of them holes. Amen? I mean, holes that you have in your net. Was it bad? Was they a lot? Was they everywhere you looked? Ain't you glad that you got a mama that prayed and come along beside you and said, Honey, I want to help you fix these pants. really want to help you fix these pants." Yeah. Guess what old so-and-so's doing? Guess what they've been into? That's what kind of life they're living. Be real careful, brothers and sisters. It's real easy to talk it before you get in it. That's what old so-and-so kid's up to. Be real careful, brothers and sisters. Because sin has no respecter of persons. Even the devil will attack the pastor's family too. But it's OK, because it chunked off some pride out of my heart, chunked off some bitterness out of my soul, and made me realize even my family needs restoring. There'll be talkers and they'll be mockers. And there'll be those that make fun. But you will never forget those who crawl in the boat with you and help mend your nets. You'll never forget them. You'll remember them for the rest of your days. Because when your fingers was bleeding, theirs was too. And it was like, come on, just a couple of more holes we got to fix. And guess what we're going to do when we get them fixed? Somebody tell me what we get to do when we get the next fix. We get to what? We get to go back to fishing. But isn't it amazing that even while, Joe, they was mending their nets. You know what Jesus said? While they was mending, while they was restoring. You know what he said? Come on and follow Me out of preach. Oh, I'll preach.